Hello, this is Pixelated Playgrounds, a gaming book club podcast discussing the art and craft of video games. I'm Brian Skersha. And I'm Josh Galecki. And today we're talking about Little Gator Game, or should I say, a short gator. <laughs> Developed by Mega Wobble and published by Platonic Games, it was released this year for Mac PC and Switch in December of 2022. And boy, uh, I think the short hike vibes just drew me in immediately to this one. Uh, you know, I think we both heard some buzz about this one, and, and I'm, I'm glad we got the opportunity to check it out for the podcast. Uh, how about you, Josh? Yeah, absolutely. Like, Short Hike was a favorite game of, when When did we play that, 1920? I think 2020 <laughs> we did the podcast on it. Um, yeah. And it was just such a great, breezy game. And I remember both thinking that I want more games like this. And hey, mm-hmm. two years later, Little Gator Game delivers. Absolutely. You know, I um, I feel like it... It, it's a spiritual successor, but also sort of an evolution in that uh, now we're in full 3D. We have uh, sort of a nice, fully realized open world style area um, and still made by a, a very small um, group. You know, uh, Mega Wobble is not the one man group that Short Hike was made by, but it is a three man dev team. Um, a three-man dev team that, by the way, is hard to find information on, but uh, <laughs> I did find out that they're published by Platonic, who did uh, like ukulele and um, some of those other things. You know, uh, a bunch of rare, former rare employees and developers that uh, formed their own studio. Um, and yeah, it's uh, it, it definitely just oozes those sort of late summer chill. Um, you know, trying to while away the days before school starts again atmosphere yeah i mean uh you talked about how this game takes inspiration from a short hike which it certainly does uh, but i think the other major touchstone for this game was breath of the wild and it's kind of like the chocolate and peanut butter of throwing those two together um and it gets away with it so well because the main character in this game is like you know this eight or nine year old kid who is trying to like play Breath of Wild on the playground. Yeah, I think the uh, to move right into like the the overall setup, your your little Gator's sister, who is a college student, is home on break, and so he to try and recapture some of those great times that they both had playing, you know, pretend Breath of the Wild or what have you, in their local park, uh, which is an absolutely gorgeous island. Lucky them. Um, <laughs> he set up the. He and his friends have set up the whole island with, with like cardboard cutouts of monsters so they can, quote unquote, play the game. And, you know, he's a little heartbroken uh, at the start because she's home and she has like a project to do over the course of the break and, and can't play. So, um, <laughs> you know, what does he do? He's like, well, I've just got to make the game better and that'll convince her, right? <laughs> yeah. No, it's good. Like they, when they were younger, you start off in a kind of a flashback and then you see little scenes from when they played when they were both younger. Uh, but uh, the big sis used to do this really elaborate game with uh, systems of rules and these cardboard monsters and everything. Um, but she hasn't played with Little Gator for a few years now, I think. And she's home from college. He's really excited. He wants to play with her again, but she's busy doing this schoolwork project. Uh, so Little Gator is convinced that if they just make the game aw- awesome enough, then she will have to put down her b- schoolwork and join in. Yeah, it's it's really nice. It sort of like underlines like how 
big the power of imagination is in a, a child. You know, I remember having similar things where like maybe the summer before we had all played a game, you know, a really elaborate, you know, systematized thing where we had made up an entire scenario in our heads and we were all bought into it. And then, you know, whenever you try and recapture that the next summer, maybe some kids are like, hey, you know, I'm I'm gone at camp this this week or, you know, my interest has changed. And it's just different. You know, I think everyone has done has had this happen to them at some point in their in their life growing up. It's extremely relatable. Um, but it's also like extremely fun. And I think it appeals to such a wide range of people. I think this is probably like the most one of the most kid friendly games we have played. But at the same time, it also has lessons that, you know, adults even can relate to, I would say. Yeah, I mean, this game is great. At, like, there's there's no fail state in the game. You don't take fall damage. There's no, like, <laughs> oxygen meter when you're going through the, uh, when you're swimming around. Um, I mean, there's a stamina meter when you climb. Like, another Batois-ism, if I could say that. Um, yes. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but if you, you know... If you run out of stamina, you fall down and you just try climbing again or you climb a tree first or something like that. Yeah, I think it's like completely frictionless is a a way to put it. Like you said, no fail states. And, you know, if you meet it where it's at and you kind of, you know, uh, come along for the ride with its, you know, love of the power of imagination and the final days of summer vacation vibes and the, you know, beautiful watercolor uh, environment, like it's... um. It's really pretty, it's a pretty magical little experience. And uh, to your point, it goes down super easy because as you said, you literally can't fail. It's just, you sort of explore and meet people and solve problems. And um, maybe we should talk a little bit about that overall scenario with um, starting with the the introduction, the tutorial area, which I think is a really good introduction to this game's systems and, uh, and story before it opens up more broadly. Yeah, I mean... Uh... You start off on the small island, well, after you do this very small intro flashback to when both you and Big Sis were playing the game and you were smaller, Uh, but you start off on the small island, you talk to Big Sis who's just on her laptop, and then you come up with your plan with your friends to make the game even better so she wants to play with you. So there's a small, like, quest system even right at the beginning. You're three friends, you have to find them, and they will get you the sword, the hat, and the shield uh, that you need to dress up as the legendary hero once more. That's right, because, you know, every good Zelda protagonist has their uh, their trusty sword, their shield, and their floppy hat. And luckily for little Gator, he's already green, so he doesn't have to get the two. <laughs> um. <laughs> as Big Sis says, you're halfway there already. <laughs> <laughs> I found that super endearing. And there are just so many good references to The Legend of Zelda throughout this whole thing. Oh, the writing in this game was great, I thought. Like, um, mm-hmm. just about talking, getting a little meta about uh, the game mechanics, too. It wasn't afraid to crack a joke at its own expense. Like, um, when you're getting the shield, your your friend's like, oh, I'm supposed to come up with a quest. And you're like, yeah, you got to come up with a quest because, you know, I've got to have a quest. And it's like, okay, okay. Uh, Go get me that thing over there. It's fetch quest. Fetch quests are the best quests. <laughs> yep. And then um, one at one point, um, he was saying, you've got to go hunt this monster. Almost kind of like you're a monster hunter. You know? <laughs> <laughs> so they just make constant references to different types of games. There's uh, one group of kids later on that are all ninjas, and they make 
gratuitous references to ninja games and, and mangas and animes and things like that. It's um, it's all over this game. There's more than you can count, but I think the primary one is Zelda. Uh, but there are many, many other references at play. Um, but as you were mentioning about the sort of initial verb set you get, you know, with the sword and the shield, um, it, it does borrow more another uh, Batwaism, as you said, uh, Breath of the Wild influences the, the shield slide, which um, uh, for my money, um, even more so than the glider you eventually get, uh, which is another Breath of the Wild influence, was my main way of getting around because, man, you'd really fly on this shield. It is a really fun. <laughs> oh, mechanic. it was great. The shield surfing was better than uh in breath of the wild by a mile like you get on the shield and if you're like even looking at a downward slope then you get a huge <laughs> speed boost um so it made it uh, really fast to get around uh really fun too um i feel like this game had a lot of fun in its movement like the climbing with the stamina wheels the uh jumping off and doing the par- the hang gliding which doesn't take stamina you know it's very generous like that and then the shield surfing especially like um this game i think captured the fun of just running around as a little kid yeah, and it, it even iterated on it way further than I would have expected it to with regards to those traversal options, because um, there are many craftable, unlockable items that you get. As you complete quests, you are in the option to use some of your currency, which is confetti, which is basically just scraps of paper from all the cardboard cutouts you've pulverized. Um um, to create new pieces of equipment. And sometimes that's like a new sword that is like maybe it's a um a wrench maybe it's a uh, fake lightsaber like one of those ones that you flip out or nunchucks yeah or nunchucks but for the shields i think the shields are more interesting in terms of like which ones you can get and craft because eventually you'll get like the option to get one of those little four-wheeled push scooters that everyone had in gym class growing up or a hmm. skateboard and your shield surfing suddenly becomes a fully fledged skateboarding mechanic and <laughs> it's just it's there's just a, a surprising amount of variety and they each have their own like specific feel and uh sound effects that are really good like i remember changing out my wooden shield for a trash can lid and like the whole feel and sound that it made as it slid across surfaces was changed it was really surprisingly nuanced not just in the shields too but some of those other craftables like you have a couple of um items you can craft too like you get the skipping rocks that you can throw at things uh, or just skip across the water you get like uh paint guns um you get little ninja origami ninja stars, uh, just all kinds of tiny things with tiny mechanics. You get a set of balloons that you can use to rise up in the air. You know, all, all lot, lots of good stuff here. The craziest one I saw was you actually got one of those like, um, uh, boy, how do you characterize this? Um, do you remember those little prizes you would get at a fair where it's like a, a hand on a long string and it's all made out of sticky goo? that's sort of solid and you can flick it oh, at a wall yeah. and it'll stick I never to got it. Yeah. one of those. Yeah, you could get one of those and it basically functions as a hook shot. <laughs> what? I missed the hook shot. <laughs> yeah, it's wild. Um so there's a uh, a lot of weird stuff going on in this game and it's all like surprisingly well implemented. It seems like this team just like threw literally everything at the wall and it all kind of stuck. <laughs> No, I, th- I think it's, again, getting back to that feeling as a kid, like such a width of imagination, you know, like, oh, here's my 
hand on a string. It's a hook shot. Yeah. And <laughs> whoosh, it's a hook shot. And just finding things like that as you're going through there uh, was a really fun part of this game. Like, they didn't need to do most of these craftables or unlockables. I don't think they needed to do any of the like crafting items, really. It would have been f- a great game without it, but uh, just coming across a new one like that was a fun experience. Yeah, totally agree. And, you know, if it sounds like we're making this out to be this big, long, complex experience, um, it's all over in about three hours, probably less than that if you're, like, mainlining it. Um, so this is, like, an extremely digestible experience, too, which I, I'm always in favor of, uh, you know, being uh, busy. <laughs> but, um, yeah, so maybe let's let's talk. We talked a bit about that tutorial area, but then once you're done on that opening island, which, you know, I thought for... Um, sort of the price of admission was pretty impressive. The game opens up into this just gigantic new island, which um, has a main hub that is a playground uh, where you are tasked at finding and bringing your friends and unifying them into a fully-fledged fantasy town to make the game's final form that your sis will finally be impressed with. In the tutorial island, uh, you and your three friends, you get the hat, the sword, and the shield, and it's not enough. Big Sis is like, I'm still working on this project, bro. And your (laughs) friends are like, oh, I'm giving up and doing other things. Catch you later. So you go to the main island where you meet your fourth friend who got, I guess, pictures of the wrong island or went to the wrong island when he was setting up all of his cardboard monsters. Um, so you meet up at the playground, and you get the main story story quest, which is to uh, convince your three other friends to rejoin you at the playground to make it into a amazing, fantastical, coolest thing ever playground. Yeah, and each of these three main... I guess there's kind of a differentiation here. There's sort of the three main friends that you just mentioned, Josh, and then there's like all of these you know, multivarious other non-main friends that you can gather into the town as well. So they kind of um, basically say like, all right, you got to get these three main friends to help upgrade the town. And and they're kind of the quote unquote main quest. Um, There's Jill Martin, and I can't remember the name of the last kid, but um, it's neither here nor there. Um, But then there's all of these other like little random ones scattered about the island. And I guess I I thought they were really interesting. Those three main friends, at least, were were all really interesting because they all talked about various, you know, difficult situations you might come across as a kid who's, like, growing up and his life's changing and his friends are changing and their interests are changing. And the first one that I did, and I don't know which order you did these in, was Jill, who needed to study to get into a prep school and thereby a big picnic tree, tree area, or big picnic area with a tree. And they're basically you know trying to impress these other prep school kids by saying all the things they're studying and your goal is to basically remind them how to have fun but really what you end up doing is helping them study (laughs) (laughs) finding rare beetles and making you know uh, paleo archaeological tools like stone age tools and things like that yeah um but then at the end they're like okay and now it's time for a break from all of our studying and Jill's like, okay, I guess I'll, uh, I guess I'll join them too if they're playing now. 
Yeah, I thought this was really nice because, you know, at some point in everyone's life, they do like sort of say like, oh, I got to think about my future. And like, obviously this kid's like eight or nine. So, or, you know, that's what I'm projecting onto a little gator. But, you know, they're probably a little young to be thinking about their, their future in that serious of a regard. But, you know, I don't have a kid that age yet. But I'm sure it's going to be stressful for them in one way or another. Um. <laughs> <laughs> hey, everyone, I think everyone feels some amount of pressure to succeed at school, at least, you know, they can relate to that. Yeah, absolutely. And and I think that is a pressure that everyone can relate to from their past. But even like the pressure to succeed or the pressure to fit in with your um you know, successful colleagues, no matter what their age are, is is an important thing. But also reminding them all how to sort of have fun uh, alongside that is is important too. And I think that is, um, it's a nice little lesson that this game sort of wove into that. Mm-hmm. So after I I think I did Jill's stuff, or I, I saw Jill's place first. I think she was actually the last friends I completed. Um, but each of these, uh, each of your three main friends goes off to these three different kind of like main areas of the island. Um, the mountain, the big tree forest, and the beach area. Um, so the, the next park. place, the water park, yeah. Next place I went to was Martin in the water park with the cool kids. That's right. Martin is uh, is cool and all of his friends are cool and they need help sort of uh, letting loose. And so little Gator threatens to turn on the splash pad and get them all wet to show them how cool it is to get wet and have fun. Um, but they all like immediately say like, no way, we're too cool for that. And so they turn off all the water and disperse into various, you know, uh, areas around there. And it's your job to show them that, you know, they they need to just sort of let down their guard and be honest with each other that they all actually do want to play in the water park. <laughs> yeah, that's kind of the funny thing is all of them do want to play in the water park and turn it on, but the, none of them wants to like look uncool in front of their friends, <laughs> which again is yeah. a very relatable social situation, right? Like, oh, I've got to be oh, cool yeah. for my friends. Yeah, it, it's totally relatable. You know, I, I, I think it's so interesting how like it, you know, we've already busted out like the societal pressure now we're busting out the peer pressure um Mm -hmm. it is just such a neat little um microcosm of all of the various you know pressures that even children get in in society these days and the the one to like appear cool to your peers peer pressure is Mm -hmm. a big one and like you know they're not like we're not talking about like martin's trying to tell one of his friends to like smoke a cigarette or something like that but they are all definitely trying to put on a front for each other and when they all like finally buy into little gator little gators um game they all end up like realizing they all do just want to sort of chill out and have fun so they form their own town uh Mm -hmm. coolsville (laughs) (laughs) it's a very cool place yeah (laughs) i think one of my favorite grace notes with the whole coolsville quest was uh the sloth yeah uh this was one of the kind of like random npcs you could find walking along by the beach and his quest is that you know he really wants to talk with the cool kids um and but he's afraid to do that uh so he asks you if you've if you know them and after you've talked with them you can come back and say yeah i've talked with them and he's like oh great well you can tell me which pose is the coolest because if i'm gonna be a cool kid (laughs) i've got to have a cool kid pose and you pick three options i don't think it matters which one you pick um but then you go back to the Coolsville, um, and the sloth is there too, and he never says anything, but he's just constantly in whatever ridiculous pose you picked for him. 
<laughs> I do remember that now that you mentioned it. <laughs> that is pretty funny. There's just, yeah, that, I mean, people, you know, people remember what you say to them. They take it to heart. And uh, apparently Lil Gator holds a lot of stray. Maybe, maybe Lil Gator is the coolest kid on the playground. I mean, have you seen his skateboard slash square scooter? <laughs> he does manage to recruit like upwards of 35 kids to play a game. Um, and so that, you know, serious leadership skills, if nothing else. Yeah. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but maybe we should move on to the the third friend, our, our mountain friend, whose name I can't remember. Avery? That's right. Avery. Good memory. Um, so Avery uh, has... Uh, a lot of different interests in in her various friends that she is entertaining up in the mountains. There's uh, the person who wants to play a cowboy country western type game, a person who wants to play a space game, and a goth vampire. And they, uh, she's trying to find a way for them to all play together. Avery's big into like drama club over there, so this is kind of like very theater sort of based, but none of her friends want to play in the same sort of theater world yeah and so basically the idea here is to like go to each of them individually and and convince them for uh, to basically convince them how all of their various ideas of how a game or a fantasy or play should work can fit into the archetype of uh the uh (laughs) hero's adventure that little gator is trying to make and Overall, I guess the idea is trying to show that it's a lot more fun when everyone can play together rather than one person getting their way, Hmm. Um, which is, you know, another just sort of nice life lesson, you know, learn how to compromise, learn how to play together. Even if you all have your own disparate interests, um, you can each bring what you have to the to the party and ultimately have a better time. This was another part where Little Gator's organizational abilities really shown through because after you get to the mountaintop and Jill's friends all run away from each other because they don't want to play with each other Jill's like oh I've got a great idea to get them back together uh quick just convince all of them to meet me back here you do that you go you go back there um and Jill's like my great idea is we can run a restaurant together and like (laughs) doing a restaurant is her play thing that she wants to do and they're like, what does that have to do with vampires or space aliens? And she says, I don't know. Let's just do a <laughs> restaurant. So Little Gator actually comes up with like reasons why, oh, yeah, we'll have uh, sci-fi technology and uh, the vampire hostess doing the decor and all that. And so good job on Gator for that. Yeah, Gator, uh, you know, I think what we may be getting at here is Gator picked up on a lot of the lessons that Big Sis had taught him. I, I think Big Sis in this situation is like, the ultimate dm like she uh, I, I think we didn't mention earlier but she had gone away to college because she wanted to study game development you do find that out later yeah yeah and you know i think maybe maybe little gator absorbed some of those skills and sensibilities while they were uh, trying to play growing up and and you know maybe subconsciously bringing that to bear and bringing all of these friends back together Well, you do eventually get all the friends back together to the playground, and if you've collected enough other NPC friends, like the little people just hanging out having tea parties or like trying to figure out whose lunch belongs to whose or doing ninja camp or all the other cool things kids do on a giant island, um, if you have enough of them there when your friends return, then they can build like Coolsville or the other structures, the juice bar, things like that. 
Each of the the main friends allows you to build a, a new large structure in the central playground town. And the building up of a town, like, you know, these kids have already built like hundreds of cardboard monsters and scattered them across the island. But what they do in this main town is seriously impressive. They basically turn like just a playground into a full-fledged castle town. Like it's, I mean, it's obviously fantastical, but it's really cool and impressive. And it's a fun little place to just sort of walk around once it's all built. Um, I, uh, I really like just sort of the various designs for areas and little play spaces that they have in this game. And I think the main central town is is one of the best. Um, mm-hmm. Just seeing all of the care that's put into it by all of the various kids that are invested in it because of Little Gator. You know, it's really interesting because this is a low poly game. Like you're not going to have ray tracing lighting on this, nor should you. <laughs> um, but like it's a low poly game, but the graphics, especially in the town area, I think looks so good. Um, because it's like um, you have like a jungle gym with cardboard pieces duct taped to it in order to form some sort of structure or something like that. Like the castle that's in the uh, main part of the town is like an actual fortified-ish castle, but it's made out of cardboard and uh, pieces of plywood and things like that. And um, I think it works well because you kind of like see it through kids eyes because you're little gator and the game is infectious with that. So mm. you see like the cardboard, but you also see it as like the big imposing structure too, which is a, a fun trick this game does. Yeah. It does a really good job riding the line between um, a child's fantasy and allowing you to use your mind's eye to see that fantasy as Hyrule castle town, basically. Um, it's just a, it's a nice, I think the way that they adapt all the various aspects of like really mundane things that you see in everyday life into what could be seen through a child's eyes as a fantastical play space is admirable. And it's something that we're all able to do and see because we've all done it. You know, uh-huh. I really like it when a game has like the, for lack of a better word, courage to do something super mundane like this, you know, like we're not trying to make a big statement about a world changing, you know, event or topic. We're speaking in terms that everyone has lived through and understands. And as a result of that, it allows us to make these, you know, mental leaps into seeing a playground as a castle because we've all been there. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it does a great job at kind of like bringing back a little bit of the magic of childhood. Yeah, that's a good way to put it. The magic of childhood recaptured. One of the uh, another thing this game uh, did that recaptured some uh, aspects of childhood is it um, sometimes was frustrating in that there was never a map or a compass or a journal, and sometimes I found it a little hard to keep track of where all of this stuff was. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, I you know this game also has like kind of short field of view, so like un- until, unless I got to like a high point and looked around, like I I tended to lose my bearings a little bit in this game. Um, Yeah, I would say that especially towards the beginning, I didn't know where I was going. I just kind of wandered wandered. around (laughs) um, and eventually be like, oh, I recognize this is the mountain over here or this is a playground, Uh, which I actually thought that was a great part of the game was that kind of like there's no 
I mean, I'm playing Red Dead 2 right now, and you get a mission. Here's the shining trail on the mini-map to lead you to where you need to go, which has its pluses and minuses, but, um, like, if you're a little kid and you're dropped on this kick-ass island park, you don't have a map. You're just like, I'm going (laughs) running around in the woods. See ya. You know... I agree with you on that, and it never detracted from the experience for me because at the end of the day, it was pretty easy just to climb up a tree or something, literally, and like look and see where you were. Um, but also, like there, you know, most parks that I've hiked in have a map on like a billboard at the start of a trailhead or something like that. Like even just having that and showing like a "you are here" <laughs> like would have been helpful. Like totally diegetic map. They could have yeah. had more of those, maybe. Uh, they did have one at the playground, which you take a look at it, you see the radio tower, very visible and flashing light at the top, is in the center of the island. And then there's the three kind of branches that it goes along. Like it's a hub and spoke. It is very much a hub and spoke on that main, line, main island, as you said. You have your tree, your mountain, and your uh, over by the uh, water park is windmills. There's some uh, uh, wind turbines. So, yeah, there's uh, there's definitely like enough landmarks for you to easily find your way around, regardless of how directionally challenged you are. But hey, I still managed to do it somehow, and I'm not directionally <laughs> challenged, generally speaking. <laughs> well, after the carefree childhood game of building the amazing imagination town which includes a coolsville i should reiterate um the game gets a little unexpectedly heavy at the end it like sneaks in some emotions at you yeah so as you mentioned after you um build up the town you're finally you know set off to re um ask your big sis if she'll rejoin the game and as you probably would have guessed when little gator embarked on this journey it doesn't land you know she's she's too involved with what she perceives as her her main you know concern which is her schoolwork and you know that's totally understandable so the really nice thing about this is little gator's friends are the ones that eventually help him realize what's going on here and help him sort of work through it in his mind in a really nice sequence yeah so martin the cool friend um even at the very beginning of the game when you're trying to like impress big sis into joining the game he's like or you know you could have an, a, a grown-up conversation with her about it and <laughs> little gator's like no no that's you know uh n- no grown-up yeah. stuff during playtime that's a rule um that's right. but then <laughs> like eventually uh, especially during um this sequence here like he brings that back up again and again and being like hey you know like what's going on here why did you guys stop playing this game when did that happen um and so there's a very reflective sequence on little gator's part where he kind of sees things from her perspective for the first time instead of just being like the let's play the games together he's seeing what you know putting a lot of pressure on her uh to Let him have fun with the game. Yeah, I think it's really interesting. They frame this as a journey through the dark forest of your mind, quote unquote, Um, (laughs) (laughs) which was you know uh, fittingly epic for you know the the hero's journey. So uh, during that, you know, they were reminded of all the times they had fun playing, and you know, for what it's worth, Big Sis loved 
you know, creating the game for him. But as you said, it was a lot of pressure. And then, you know, when she went away to school to study this and in college to study game design, um, I think what, what Lil Gator came to realize is, you know, things have changed. And um, what he really needed to do was talk to his sis and thank her for all of those good times. And I think that culminated in a really, like, nice, heartfelt conversation between the two of them. And she realized that maybe she could use a break and uh, finally decided to join the game. Where she sets up shop and sits on her computer looking at memes all day because, you know, if you're going to have your post-game epilogue, then you can't really change things up too much. No, I think it was it was pretty deftly done. You know, she sets up as like the uh, the wild uh, witch of the town, the potion brewer, or what have you, and she just sort of chills out there with her laptop, as you said. Um, so yeah, you know, this this opens it up really nicely and, and sort of like finishes the main action and tutorial of the game. But as you probably have guessed, there's still you know a half a dozen or two dozen friends out there that you may. Uh, still need to gather and so you can do that and they give you a, a really nice tool to do so you get a megaphone <laughs> that just lets you say oh, really? <laughs> hey where 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 are you at and um so you can just press that r2 or r button or whatever you assign it to and find where the nearest friend you haven't recruited yet is so you can you know clear the island in a exp- expeditious way oh that's funny i uh stopped playing after uh, you get the credits after Big Sis joins your town, so I figured, okay, mm-hmm. that's it there. But that's nice that for the completionist people, they're like, and this makes it even quicker. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, no, it, it, they definitely like they don't want it to be a difficult proposition, and that's probably why I found a few of those things you didn't. I just went back in to refresh myself since I played it a little earlier than you, and uh, you know, found a few more friends with my megaphone and um, explored a few areas of the island that I hadn't yet. And yeah, it's uh, it's just really nice to me that they were able to, um, you know, wrap it up in such a neat way, teach a good lesson about, you know, siblings and growing up and friendship and imagination, um, and then still let you have a nice way of continuing the journey as long as you want to. Mm-hmm. I will say one thing I didn't like about, not the ending in particular, but um, after you got four bracelets... Um, you had infinite stamina and I wish they (laughs) didn't do that. So I thought that was funny because like early on in the game, they, um, they said, uh, aren't you worried about falling from such a great height? And he's like, uh, no, I just figured we weren't playing with fall damage. (laughs) So, (laughs) So like then later on when like you got all of the bracelets that, you know, the last one would have given you your fourth stamina wheel. Um, he was like. And the secret is, they do nothing. You could have done this all along. And so like he's like, well, there's no reason I couldn't just have infinite stamina. And I really like that as like just a, a little subtle subversion of um, the mechanic. But as you said, it kind of trivialized basically anything about traversal, which is less fun. Yeah, I felt like the movement, like um, the kind of the Batwa stamina circle climbing is so nice as a kind of mechanical puzzle sort of thing, like a traversal puzzle. You have to climb up here or climb up there, and you got to do it before you're out of energy over here. Kind of got to plan your route. Um, And I felt like, oh, you just go up the wall and you don't have to think about it anymore. Um, It kind of removed one of the fun parts for me about it. 
Yeah, for what it's worth, I didn't get that. And that was literally the last thing I did before I turned off the game. So I didn't get to play around with infinite stamina too much. Um, and unlike Breath of the Wild, this is not a game that's meant to, you know, last you 150 hours if you're trying to be a completionist. It is meant to last you about four hours if you're trying to be a completionist. <laughs> so I'd imagine if you're one of those people that is playing this game and wants to see literally everything in it before you say farewell, um, that infinite stamina is probably just getting you to where you're eventually going to be anyway a little bit faster. Um, but no, I, I, I hear you in that, like, I don't think it was additive, but it didn't detract for me either. So it was kind of a I think from a writing perspective, it was entertaining. But from a mechanical perspective, it was kind of a meh. All right. So you say it didn't take anything away from you, but you also stopped playing right after you got it, too. So (laughs) I'm going to say coincidence. (laughs) I don't know. (laughs) Okay. Well, you've you've got me there, man. (laughs) 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 Um, You know, I think the only thing I might have stuck around for was just to hear a little bit more of this game's music, which um, throughout the course of it is really um, fun and playful and I think sets a really nice tone. It's got sort of just a nice sort of... You know what it reminded me of is the... It's an adaptive score for what it's worth. Um, It changes uh, the instruments that are going on within any given theme and the themes vary by area. Sort of like a Banjo-Kazooie style thing, right? Like if you're down by the ocean, it'll change to sort of more nautical instruments but within the same melody um Mm -hmm. it's all just very sweet and relaxing and it calls the mind back to childhood and i you know i thought it it struck the perfect tone love this game soundtrack yeah the music was really well done and i like that it was an adaptive score but um it wasn't trying to like be too sneaky about it either like they used the music to sort of announce you are in a new area um where you might not have realized that like there was no oh you're in the snowlands now like sometimes the environmental transitions were fairly subtle but that also was i think um that also kind of helped me navigate around a little bit at the beginning Hmm. like when you're you hear uh the same music again and i realized oh okay this is this is an area I've been to before. Let's take a look around and see what's here. What do I recognize? Yeah, I recognize this soundtrack, uh, or I recognize this uh, tonal palette of instruments for this song. I, I've clearly been here before, um, even if like maybe the part I recognize is hidden behind that cliff face or whatever. So yeah, I agree with you. I think the the music is really deftly done, and um, they're all like pretty earwormy without being like interruptive. Um, all in all i i quite enjoyed the soundtrack and you know you'll probably hear some of it as we uh play this or talk through this podcast so with that let's sum up our thoughts with a three-word review my three-word review is Painless Pixelated Playground. <laughs> Drawing on the short and sweet, tongue-in-cheek vibes of childlike wonderment present in a short hike, Little Gator Game is a colorful and vibrant sandbox that is filled to the brim with friends and fun. A bright and colorful environment full of low-poly mountains and, yes, even a pixelated playground helps complete the joyous mood, but it's not all butterflies and rainbows since it also teaches some important lessons about friendship conflict resolution, and growing up. All of this is woven through with a strong central theme about 
figuring out what makes childhood special and when and how those feelings might be recaptured. We all gain responsibilities as we grow older, but it's important to remember to take a break every once in a while. Remember what made you happy when you were little, and try and help others achieve that happiness as well. One way you might try and recapture that feeling of childlike glee is by playing a game. Perhaps a little gator game. Big thumbs up from me. Nice, very nice. Alright, my three-word review is See You Later. Little Gator Game is a sweet and breezy joy of a game, giving you a fantastic and fantastical version of a little kid playing, play-acting Zelda on the playground. It combines systems from Breath of the Wild with the cozy open world of a short hike to deliver an enjoyable experience. It has a re- well-earned reputation as a game that's good for kids, as there are no real failure states in the game. But it comes loaded with enough references, wry humor, and good writing to keep any adults more than entertained. It's a game that I look forward to playing with Calvin when my 19-month son is old enough to start playing his first video game. For now, see you later, alligator. <laughs> nice. You're absolutely right. This is a great game for kids. And with that, I want to say thanks for listening. And if you enjoyed this podcast, then feel free to share it with folks you think might enjoy it as well. If you want to get in touch, drop us a note at pixelatedplaygrounds at gmail.com or reach us on Twitter at pixelplaypod. And for us here at Pixelated Playgrounds, I'm Brian Skersha. I'm Josh Kalecki. Take care and keep on playing. you hit the nail on the head this is this is definitely a game that i think you know i I have a running list of games that i think are really great kids games that have come out lately and this is definitely going on that list um i i just you know it's charming it's easy no fail state very key it's just really nice Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. actually calvin might have played a little bit of this already i sat him in my lap and threw it up on the switch and had him bang on the switch controller he moved the joystick and saw the gator moving up on the screen so i'll count that hey first steps nice then he just wanted to hit every button on the controller yeah i i mean yeah at least he didn't try and eat it so you know progress progress Yeah, I, I think there's a few like like that that I, um, I'm trying to remember. Like, I think Little Gator Game is one. There's a game called Alba that is really nice. It's about a little girl exploring an island and taking photos that seems like it strikes me as a good game for like um, a slightly older child that it could be a good one. The new Kirby game on Switch mm-hmm. also seems to me to be a good like game with kids type game. Um, I'm glad to see that like good games that adults and children will both enjoy are starting to sort of become a more common thing because i think that's going to help uh, all of us out a lot (laughs) works out great for us right (laughs) yes yes it does i wouldn't be surprised if we see more games like that come up in our feed you know as we continue on this endeavor and are also raising children (laughs) Mm -hmm. well you know i mean um compare like the state of the video game industry these days to like 30 years ago in the 90s and there's just such a wider target demographic like um 
Little Gator game I don't think is a game that gets made 30 years ago. No, you're right. I think it would be considered to be too narrow casting, right? Like there were there were children's products for sure back then, but like this this to me is striking a balance that like a Pixar movie tries to strike, right? Like it is appealing to kids on an aesthetic level and an accessibility level, but it has grace notes, touches and references that are a- appealing to adults. And I know we've, you know, made the Pixar reference a few times with other casts, but I think this is like a really clear example of that and that it's, you know, appealing to such a wide audience in that way. Well, even just, um, I think a big part of it too, not just the demographics, but also like games can be more now than they could have been three, 30 years ago. Like um, they can try to tell a better story. They can be like, um, I think the games themselves were much more narrowly typecast um, back then. That's true. I think if you were making a kid's game back then, it was a game for kids. Like I'm trying to think of like, like humongous entertainment games strike me as like games back in the day that were strictly focused at kids. Do you know what I'm talking about when I say that? Like Putt-Putt, Spy Fox, Pajama Sam, all that. Oh yeah. Yeah. I remember those. Yeah. Yeah. So like you have your adult adventure games, your King's Quests and, um, you know, um, help me out here <laughs> space quest um, i think was what yeah Indiana Jones. yeah all, yeah all of your sierra and lucas arts classics and then you you know on the other side of that you have humongous entertainment who is like and we're the kids studio and we make putt-putt and pajama sam and like uh-huh. those were great games like uh you know i i you know as a, as a child i played through a bunch of those but um i don't think that they were as they were i don't think they were able to cast as wide of a net as something like Little Gator Game. Um, And I think that's just sort of an evolution of the medium and that it's able to be more accessible by more different types of demographics. Oh, absolutely. Uh, You know, and I think a big part of that too is people who grew up playing video games are now making video games as compared to back when, you know, that's like... right. I'm, I'm not, you know, people, developers back then obviously loved video games too, but, uh, like, there's that childhood sense of wonder that this game captured very well, which I don't think you could have captured without experiencing that video game child wonder kind of thing yourself. Well, I think we're seeing this in a lot of different ways, like, especially with in the last year, we've seen it in a bunch of different places. We saw it with Tunic, I think, in such a big way, you know, like, not understanding... Um, what was going on in a game and um, you know playground rumors and trying to in- interpret in, you know imported <laughs> instruction manuals or what have you it's just um, it's a force that's making its way through games is like the sense of mystery and the sense of like what it was like to grow up with video games is taking a, a front seat to what the sense of wonder in video games means nowadays well, what it was like to grow up with video games in the time before the internet. So maybe this right. is a fleeting <laughs> kind of moment we have here. Yeah, that's true. <clears throat> but it's worth mentioning, it wasn't before the internet. It was just in the nascent internet. So it was the time where you could spread all the rumors you want and find none of the answers. <laughs> oh, man. Yeah, it's, it's true. Like even trying to figure out the lyrics to a song. I remember arguments about Green Day lyrics. <laughs> like friendship well, ending arguments <laughs> yeah, and, and, and good luck if you were trying to find Pearl Jam lyrics 
<laughs> so one thing I think we need to mention about this game is the adorable wobble that little oh, gator yeah. has. Yeah, so as soon as you start moving with the little gator, you will realize that he basically makes a nice little pendulum-like mo- motion back and forth with his torso as he walks around. Just um, basically, uh, his legs are completely unarticulated. He just sort of hobbles around on two little sticks for legs, and it is hilarious and adorable. Well, he just doesn't have knees. I mean, if you don't have <laughs> knees, what would you do? I guess I would walk like that. Yeah. I mean, what else can you say? <laughs> it was kind of funny because when um, in that very first intro flashback, when you're like, I don't know, four and Big Sis is probably, I don't know, 14, 16 or something like that. Um, and you're trying to um, like you're, you're walking around and I'm like, oh, that looks like a very toddler uh, like toddle right there. Um, and then Little Gator looks exactly the same and walks exactly the same uh, five or six years later was pretty funny for me. <laughs> yes, um, this gator has clearly grown up, but not that much. 